You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I'm going to talk to you today, today about inheritance. How many of you have ever received an inheritance? As we're talking today about inheritance, it actually has nothing to do with finances and money. It's, there's so much more to it. And what he started talking to me about was just this idea that we have access to the graces and the gifts on other people's lives. And as we will humble ourselves and honor others, we get to receive the treasures inside of them. And and even this morning as we're worshiping, and I had this come up in prayer a few weeks ago, there are so many treasures deposited in each one of you. You have access to all of, all of the kingdom, right? You're children of God, faith in Jesus, you're sons of God. You have access to everything that Jesus has. You are joint heirs, co-heirs. The inheritance is yours. But I think God has deposited some of those treasures all throughout the body. And I think it's a little sneaky. I think he did it because in order for us to access those treasures, we have to honor one another. We have to actually lay down our lives for one another. We have to connect in real relationship to be able to access those treasures. I love John Bevere has a quote. He says, sometimes God gives you what you need in a package you don't like. Whew. I don't like the way they preach. I don't like the way they lead worship. I don't like the way they serve the coffee. I don't like the way they lead the children. I don't like the way they looked at me. I don't like the way they didn't wave at me in the parking lot. Why would I receive something from them? They've got issues in their life. I can't receive anything from them. We'll talk about that in a minute too. But you see what I'm saying? But yet, this is how God has done it. So there must be something to it that we need to pay attention to. If you want the treasures and the resources and the blessing of heaven that you have access to, we're going to have to figure this out. And I'm not saying, you guys are such a mess and I wish you guys would just get along. Like, that's not why I'm talking about this today either. You guys, truly, I hear stories from other churches. You guys are amazing at shutting down strife, dealing with your offenses, gossip, you know, not gossip. You guys are stunning, truly. But I want to get, I want to talk about this some more. And inheritance is interesting, isn't it? Like, that's why I asked if nobody would given an inheritance, because it's something you get when you die. All right, you give when you die. You don't get it when you die. You give. Okay, so it's something you only receive when somebody else dies, passes away. Here's the thing. We can live in the blessing of what somebody carries while they're alive, Okay, but you receive the inheritance, which is the responsibility of the blessing. You only get that when that person passes away. This is what made the story of the prodigal son kind of pretty scandalous. The younger son was saying to his father, he said, I want my portion of the inheritance. What is he saying? He's saying, I don't really care about this connection here. I don't care about learning your heart and your ways and and what you did to build up this inheritance and and your heart and purposes for it. I just want the inheritance and I want to go do my own thing with it. That's why that was so scandalous. I mean, you know, there's so many intricacies. There's so many great things about that story. So I'm not saying the rest of what you've ever heard about that parable isn't true. Just saying this is where I want to focus on today. 
saying, I want what you have, but without you. And it didn't go well for him, right? He received the father's money, the inheritance, without connection to the father and his purposes. He didn't have the heart and the purposes of the father for those resources, for those gifts, or for himself. He didn't have the father's heart for who he was and what his purposes were. It's, it's in Luke 15 if you want to go look it up. I have it all written out here, but I don't think we're going to read through it because I have another huge passage to read through. But Luke 15, verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. I want what you have more than I want this connection with you, more than I want to know the purposes and plans and thoughts of your heart, more than the struggle that it took to build this wealth, more than, you guys get it? I could just keep circling. Say yes, we'll keep moving. Double portion. There's this idea in um, Hebrew culture. Hebrew culture was a patriarchal society. So the father led the clan. Let's see if I actually wrote this down. I did somewhere else. It's a patriarchal culture where the father was in charge of leading, protecting, providing for his tribe. And so this idea of a double portion that goes to the first son, it wasn't about heard this. Hey, old, I'm the oldest, right? How many oldest children in here? Oldest children. Okay. It's not about mom and dad practiced on you. And so you get more reward because we didn't know what we were doing and we were harder on you. Maybe that's part of it. It's actually the oldest son was set to inherit more of the father's, more of that inheritance because he was then going to carry the responsibility of the father. He was then responsible to care for and protect and provide for the tribe of the father. So he got more of the inheritance, more resources, more tools to carry out that purpose, okay? Um, That's why the older son got the largest portion. Um, And again, it's not just a gift. It was a responsibility to carry on what the father had started and care for those the father cared for. And I think I really want us to get that today, that inheritance, what we receive, the treasures we glean from one another, it is never just about building up our little empire. It is about God has put a gift on somebody. God's gifts are for a purpose and they're for a reason. And we get to take those and and bring something to the world and bring more to one another with those. Elijah and Elisha. This is where I want to go next. If you want to go to 2 Kings 2, we'll start there and probably go to first kings for a minute as well elijah and elisha this is an interesting version of inheritance to me um and i think it'll fit better with what i want us to talk about and take hold of today as far as honoring honor the idea of honor covenant commitment to one another second kings 2 starting in verse 1 i'm going to read a bunch to you get comfy in your seats don't fall asleep read along whatever i'm in the nlt When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. I'm going to pause here, and we'll skip a little chunk. But Elisha keeps traveling. He's going where God's telling him. He goes from Gilgal to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho to the Jordan River. And every time he goes to a new place, he tells Elisha, you stay here, God's calling me on. 
And Elisha refuses. He says, I will not go. I will not leave you. Everywhere they go, the pro- <laughs> how fun is this? Every new town they get to, the prophets in that town come up and tell Elisha, you know Elijah's going to go soon, right? He's, he's out of here soon. Super encouraging. But um, so anyway, so that's happening too. So those are the verses we're skipping over. Verse 6, Elijah says to Elisha, again, they're in Jericho, stay here. The Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. As long as you are alive, I will not leave you, is what he's saying. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Okay, so there's that idea of a double share again, or an addition to. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elijah tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak. (sighs) Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. You guys might have to read the rest on your own. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Okay, I don't know why I cried. That is an amazing covenant story. Amazing. So if you read 1 Kings 19... You'll see the first part of the story. You'll see where these two men first join, join up. God tells Elijah to find Elisha and tells him he will be your replacement. So Elijah finds him plowing in his father's field, throws his cloak, his mantle on him, which represents anointing and authority and power. And he walks away. And Elisha slaughters the oxen that were plowing the field. There were 12 of them. I'm sure there's... I was reading this last night and I was just like, there is so much symbolism in these paragraph in these stories. I don't even know where to start looking into what it all means. But there were 12 oxen. He slaughters them. He cooks them on the wood from the plow. Like there is no going back. And he feeds the whole town with the, the meat. It's a lot of meat. And then he goes with Elijah to be his assistant. To be his assistant. This is uh, the word that was used in the NLT, I think, when I was reading it. He went to be his assistant. He didn't go to take over. Elijah's ministry, not to teach him the cool new ways to prophesy and lead a ministry and reach more people, to assist. The Hebrew word used here means to minister to, to serve, to attend as a menial. Everybody say menial. You know what that means? Like base, low, not valuable, worshiper, okay? To attend as a menial or worshiper, to wait on. There's this, it just blows me away. There's a symbolism where he, he comes and he throws Elijah, throws the cloak on Elisha. 
And it's a symbolism. And he already has the word that this is your successor. And Elisha goes, I will serve you until you die. Wow. You inherit the promise through humility and service. You will inherit your promise. The promise was there. The word was spoken. It was the humility and the service that allowed Elisha to inherit it. I jotted this down today, and I hope it makes sense here. There is protection in serving fathers. When you, you know, let me back up because I haven't brought entered that in yet. But well, we'll just skip it for now. I'll come back to it if I remember. I have too much anyway, so we can skip a few things, and you'll still get a lot. You know, I, I've heard. You know, you go to conferences or you hear this idea that people are like, pray for me. I want a double portion. Pray for me. I don't think it works that way. You can, you can receive wisdom from people. You go to a conference, you receive wisdom. You can even receive impartation where you, what they have is imparted to you. But this double portion idea, I heard it taught this way, and I think this makes sense in what we just read. When you are in a covenant relationship with, with people and you will not be parted from them and you will serve them faithfully, I think what happens is the double part is that you get what God has placed on your life plus what they got on your life. It's not like you get multiplication of theirs. I think it's just this joining together and this mixing together, a, a multiplication. Uh, um, you know, you think about exponential math, you know, and how that works. That's what I picture here, the double portion. Um, inheritance there's something about inheritance that only comes through relationship and honor here's what's interesting too the company of prophets that witnessed Elijah being taken away they said whoa Elijah's spirit now rests on Elijah there was something tangible there was something real that they were like that's not the same guy that crossed the river with Elijah He's come back in a different power and in a different spirit. There is something different on him, and that's inheritance. There's evidence that what he now carried, what Elijah had carried. So if we want to become a people who value, love, and honor people, oh, sorry, we have to become, let's back up, we have to become a people who value, love, and honor people, one another, more than we value our dreams, our goals, and our desires. What if the dreams of your heart could only become reality through those covenant relationships? Isn't this how children come into being? A, mom, two, a man and a woman come together in covenant relationship and sons and daughters come forth. I just feel like so much of the lives we live is actually a picture of bigger things, of spiritual things. Marriage isn't just marriage. Your body's not just a body. It, you, you know, Paul talks about that, how, it, how he, the picture, it's like a picture book because we, our, our little minds need a picture book that go, oh, the body works together. Oh, that's how we're supposed to work together. Oh, marriage. Oh, it's not just about having sex and making a family. It's about this bigger picture of intimacy and covenant and life coming forth. Anyway. What if this is a picture of how the spirit realm works? The most important, the most impacting, the most beautiful and amazing things come from covenant. Pouring lives together and creating more. 
And again, back to this idea of inheritance, without the Father's heart and purposes, we will waste the inheritance on ourselves. Inheritance with the Father's heart, with his purposes, produces more wealth as we use it for the Father's purposes. Make sense? And I'm saying Father, and I, you know, we need to have spiritual fathers in us. And that's one of the things when I was pr- just talking to God about, I don't have an inheritance. I don't feel like I have a spiritual inheritance. I don't feel like I have a monetary inheritance. I don't feel like I've got a relational inheritance. Like I didn't feel like I didn't inherit much from, from my family. But God started speaking to me, and he reminded me of the stories you guys tell. Our pastors, their pastors, their pastors. Here's how it was birthed. Here's their strengths and weaknesses. Here's the, here's the strength they brought to the body of Christ. And God started reminding me, that's our inheritance. And those treasures, you all have a treasure inside of you that you get to bring to the body. And you have an inheritance. You want to know those stories? Schedule a meeting. Bring them a coffee. Sorry. They love hanging out all the time. Maybe we can just have him do a Sunday where he tells us about our history. And you'll catch it as you listen to sermon. You know, if you're here long enough, you'll catch that. But that's your inheritance. The breakthroughs of your fathers, the breakthroughs of your mothers, the breakthroughs of your brothers and sisters. That's why we tell testimonies. That's why we do that. Because those breakthroughs are your inheritance. But you can only get them through honor and covenant and submission and and assistance or assistant to one another so many people i see this i mean i was never this way but i see this younger generation guys i'm almost 40 i know i can say stuff like this now those young punks and there's nobody in here today so i can say that no i'm kidding i'm totally kidding but i see so many people saying as my generation do. I want your position. I want your title. I want your recognition. Uh, I want your recommendation. I want your power or authority. I want your notoriety. I want what you have. And I remember Jim Adams, who used to be with us years ago, had gone to a worship conference with Lincoln, Lincoln Brewster. And Lincoln told this story. He said, so often people come up to me and go, I'm called to do what you, you do. I want to do what you, what you do. And Lincoln Brewster says, but do you want to pay the price I paid to be there? Okay, so often we're like, I want my platform. I want my promotion. I want my um, recognition. Do you want to pay the price that your fathers and mothers paid to have that? And sometimes the price is just covenant and relationship and faithfulness and saying, I will not leave your side. I don't know if you caught this in that story. I don't know where I am. Elijah did not get taken to heaven in the chariot of fire. He was taken up in the whirlwind. The chariot of fire was what had to separate those men so that Elijah could be taken up and Elisha could stay. The, the chariot, the fire, it's what sep- had to separate them. It's not what took him up to heaven. I mean, maybe it was a nice escort. I don't know, but it just struck me like God had to send a chariot of fire to separate Elisha from Elijah because he said, as long as you live, I will not leave your side. We need that kind of commitment and covenant in our culture. And look, at, I, we were just talking about this in his office this morning. That is what I struggle with the most, to actually entrust yourself to someone so much 
in that kind of covenant relationship, it will cost you something. It will cost you pride. It will cost you, I don't know, it's pride. You know, you have to be humble and you have to be vulnerable. And you'll get in fights and you won't agree with everything. But there is this no turning back moment, right? When I think of this, you know, we want it. We want that thing. But we won't be, first of all, in community. Let's, let's just leave out commitment to a father figure or a mother figure. Are you just in community where you can receive from your brothers and sisters and the people in this, this place or the church God has called you to? Are you even if, allowing yourself to be in a place of receiving the gifts on the people's lives around you? Okay, you won't be in community. Let's say they, sorry, let's say they won't, not you, not us. Okay, those people, they won't be in community to develop their gifts, to receive the gifts on others' lives. They won't become anyone's servant. Heaven forbid I should humble myself when I am called. I won't faithfully walk by someone's side, learn, receive from the gifts on each other's lives. Let's not be people who want the inheritance more than we want the treasure of real relationships, more than we want the heart and the purposes of the Father and why he put the gifts in these people around us. Covenant brings inheritance with the strength that was built in the process of acquiring it. Does that make sense? Did you get that? Covenant brings inheritance. So we receive this inheritance But covenant makes sure that you get the strength that it took to build that, the wisdom that it will take to maintain it and grow it. Honoring others allows us to inherit the strength and vision and purpose for the promise so we are not ruined by it. We don't just get the inheritance. We will receive the power and wisdom that created that wealth. And, you know, I've talked to you before. Wealth is not just finances. It is health and relationships and everything that the we have access to. And here's, I wrote this down. I know I'm all over the place. You guys are awesome. Again, this is my process out loud with Annie Day. Elisha didn't just get a cool, new, shiny, supernatural prophetic ministry when Elijah was taken away. He inherited the purpose and responsibility of the gift. That inheritance brings not just the purpose, but the responsibility. Again, think about the the Hebrew culture, the, the patriarchal culture. You don't just inherit the wealth. You don't just inherit the purpose. You inherit the responsibility now of the purposes of that that thing. And I'm sure he walked with his spiritual father. He walked with Elijah. He saw the struggles and the pain. He saw the joys and the victories that were part of carrying that gift, which made him more able to carry that gift. It wasn't crushing to him when all of a sudden he was like, wow, this is a lot of responsibility. Wow, everybody wants a prophetic word. Wow, everywhere I go there, you know, Elisha, Elijah was, and I was just reading through some of this, I'm not super familiar, but I don't think any of the kings liked him. He never had a really nice word to say to them because they weren't following God. So he kind of had a, a, I don't know if a warrant out or if a, what's the word, a bounty on his head. He's always running. He's always frustrated. Okay, there was a price that he paid. We need to become sons and daughters who understand faithfulness, perseverance, 
and covenant. We need to become people that say, I will not leave your side. I will not leave your side. It took a fire, a chariot of fire to separate those two. Again, I've said this, each of us has great wealth and value inside of us. Okay, so I'm not saying you can only get what you get from inheritance. I want you to see that you also carry something that the church needs, that each other need, and that as that grows and multiplies, you know, uh, inheritance creates generational wealth. A righteous man stores up an inheritance for his children's children. This, this is how wealth is built generationally. Think of this. I mean, you know, and as we hear the stories that John and Karen tell, you know, the fact that we have cool music and lights and chick preachers, and this is all because somebody has paid a price to say, I think that the way God wants to reach this world looks like this. I think it's okay if we have different music than the hymns. I think it's, you know what I mean? And they, they pushed and they paid a price and they laid these foundations and we get to keep building on what they built and keep growing what they grew. But we have to first, like we can't start from scratch every generation. That's not how wealth is built. We can't be like, oh, I don't like the way you did it. That's so old fashioned. I don't like that music. Actually, we're going to do techno music now for worship, whatever. I don't know. I just tried to pick something I don't like. <laughs> But um, we can't just throw out our foundation and what was built and what our fathers, spiritual fathers and mothers have paid prices for. And you're going to have to pay a price to, lay, to, to keep building. And again, I'm not talking about money. You guys probably got that by now. I'm talking about the gifts and graces and breakthroughs and revelation that each of us carry. Okay, And we get to, we get to choose, are you going to, bury that, store it away, hide it, or are you going to develop it? Let it become mature? What's the, what's the verse? As iron sharpens iron? That doesn't sound comfortable to me. That, that sounds like butting heads until you are smoothed out or sharpened. I guess it's a sharpening verse. Okay, will you allow what's in you to be developed, invested, and given as an inheritance to the next generation? That comes through serving one another, leaning on one another, honoring what's in other people, and then it highlights what's in you. You know, I had a, it's interesting, as you become who God has made you to be, it actually lights up in people who they can be. And the story I have on this, you know, my sister Jamie started a nonprofit almost two years ago, and it lit something in me. I handed off Race Race for Freedom to her, and she turned it into a gala, I don't know how it worked. <laughs> Running, eating. I guess it works. But um, she made it her own. It was, it was great. But it was so interesting as she did that. It birthed new things in me. And I saw it birth other things in people around her. Or maybe it was, we kind of have a mutual connection. And I saw life come into some of those gifts as well. And I, I just love that. Like, this is real, guys. As you develop and as you push forward and as you pay the price, it will awaken things in other, other people. You guys want a definition for inheritance? Now that we're 10 minutes away. Inheritance, this is good. Definition from the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament is inheritance, heritage, inherit, and possession. Okay? Speaks of a possession, property, inheritance, or heritage, 
um, taking possession or occupation of anything. The root word for this um, said this. It, one of the one of the little lines in the definition said to acquire parentheses testimonies. To acquire testimonies. Right? Wow. You can take possession of the testimonies of your brothers and sisters. What's the verse in Revelation say? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony, your overcoming, your breakthrough will help others overcome. Okay, I already said inheritance is how wealth is built generationally. Inheritance flows from relationship. Like this is, that was the, that was the word God spoke to me two weeks ago. Inheritance flows from relationship. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. And you can see it when there's divorce. It, it's a financial ruin for, for wealth. Often, I don't know, maybe not in every case. You know, That verse, a righteous man stores up an inheritance for his children's children. That's not for servants. It's not for slaves. It's for sons and daughters. There's something about this connection. I don't know. I keep saying it in different ways. There's something about that. And if I was looking through the Old Testament just to see what what um, inheritance looked like in the Old Testament. And in Numbers 27, there's instructions about how inheritance was to flow um, from a father. And we already know the the kind of how it works with the clan and why, right? So it would go from the father to the son. If there were no sons, it would go to the daughters. If there were no sons and daughters, it would go to brothers. If there were no brothers, it would go to um, the father's uncles. And then after that, it was the nearest relative. Okay, so it's meant to flow relationally. It's meant to stay within the family. And the other thing in Numbers 36 that we see, the inheritance was to remain with the ancestral tribe so no tribe would become poor. So fascinating to me. So if the inheritance went to the woman, she could only marry within her clan, within her tribe, so that that inheritance wouldn't leave and make that, and, and take away from this and add to that. Where if a man, you know, receives it, he can bring in the woman to any tribe because that it was a different culture she didn't take anything with her out of her her clan or tribe so here's what i thought on that don't throw your inheritance before the world and expect a return okay it stays in the family in some respect we are to invest in the world we are to invest in those around us but this inheritance thing it, it works within the body okay if you throw your inheritance out before the world the, the picture i got was the the verse about a pearl being thrown in a pig pen, they're not going to see the value of it. So be generous, invest, but the inheritance is for sons and daughters. And don't expect, don't expect an inheritance from the world. They have no wealth to give you. Don't look for your inheritance from the world. Healthy relationship contains honor. So this is, you know, if, I, guess, I guess we're talking about inheritance and honor. Because honor is the foundation of, of receiving that. Honor is a relational posture that gives you access to the wealth deposited in someone else's life. Honor is a relational posture that gives you access to the wealth deposited in the people sitting next to you. 
honor. Honor is looking at someone's life and seeing the beauty God has placed there. How many of you guys have ever seen Fixer Upper? We watched way too much Fixer Upper over Christmas break. My seven-year-old found it, and that's all we watch now. And now she's building me office renovations with her Legos. I'm like, baby, we're sending you to architect school. Um, these, these people have the ability. What they do is they go into older homes. I kid you not, I saw one where it was a 100-year-old like Shaq doesn't even quite give you the picture. It was, I think it was on a foundation that was okay. They loved it because of the property. It was literally just a, a wood box that was falling apart. And they're like, we can do this and this and this. They could see that mess and go, it's going to be amazing. We have the opportunity and privilege of looking at one another's lives through this lens. We just took out this wall. Jordan and I always joke now because this gal, Joanna Gaines, and Fix Her Upper, she goes into every house and she's like, here's what we'll do. We're going to widen this door. We're going to take out that wall. We're going to build on over here. I mean, it's just like, how do you see that? But she always takes out a wall and widens a doorway. <laughs> always. Okay, so they can look at these things and see the beauty in it. Okay, they see the resource. They always try to, you know, like the shack. I think they pretty much tore the whole thing down and rebuilt. And, but they took elements from the old flooring and the old walls, and they incorporated it into the new, and it was incredible. But it was a brand new property. We have the privilege of looking at another life through that lens. What, what God has placed inside of each of us, plus the power of God, plus the counsel of the Holy Spirit, is going to be amazing. Okay, We get to treat them like they're already there, already fixed up. Okay, and it's not your job to fix them up. But we get to, through the process, honor what will be, what can be. Here's another way I, I, I had one more picture of this, if you're not a fixer-upper type. Um, how many of you have ever been out hiking and run out of water? Yeah, me neither. Um, I don't hike that long. But if you're smart, but if you're smart, you would probably have a water filter or some iodine tabs. Is that the thing you clean your water out with? See, John's going to have to correct me later. I should have researched. I should have Googled this. I'm just going from what I think I know. Winging it here. You're out on a hike, and you run out of water. You need water. So you can either drink directly from the stream and get poisoned, or you can get out your filter, and you can filter that water and take out the bad and receive the good. Let's do that with each other. Let's not throw, throw them out and lose, miss out on what's in the other people because there's, they're kind of messed up or they made a mistake or, you know, we don't like something they have. I do this with my sisters. This with my sisters. They, I love the wisdom and the graces and the beauty that's on their lives, but they're my sisters. I also know where they struggle, where their current frustrations are, where things, where they're, how they see things can be clouded or wrong. I just, okay, that goes over here. But I really like, I can receive from the gift on your life still. So the next part of this will be uh, sometime when I do this again. We know how to receive an inheritance. Next time we will talk about how to build a life that leaves one. But we're out of time for today, so there you go. All right, why don't you stand up and we will pray.
Okay. How you actually filter water. (laughs) Father God, we love you so much. We are so honored to be your kids. We are so grateful for the things you've put in our lives and the lives of people around us, God. I just pray that we would begin to see the treasures. Help us to see the treasures in one another. Help us to call out and encourage the treasures in one another, God, that we would be a people of strength, people of wisdom, people of power. God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the warriors in this room, for the sons and daughters. God, if there is somebody in this room that has an orphan mentality that is is feels cut off from uh, knowing what it would be like to be a son, having a real and healthy relationship with a father and a mother. God, I just pray you would break through right now and you would heal that area and you would begin to reveal to them their sonship, their value in you. <laughs> I tell my girls, <laughs> I say, I love you. And they say, you know, when they're little and everything's no, no, uh and I say, I do, and nothing you can do will ever change that. So, God, I just thank you. you. We are your sons and daughters, and nothing can change that. You love us, and nothing can change that. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you thank her, first of all. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. So I just need a second here. So I think you guys know that we don't, I didn't have any idea what she was going to teach on. And, you know, we don't, we don't sit around and plan all this. We just pray and we just bring people up here that we trust and we know they'll pray. Anyway, so we were in Albuquerque this week, had a board meeting with our pastors and, um, and some, and some other people. But I just want you, I hope you could feel the weight of this message. This is so important. And, and it was just interesting to me because last week in the series I'm teaching, I started in on honor and humility, right? Some of you might remember that it was a week ago. Uh, and when we were down there, we went to church Tuesday night and two of Marshall's three points were on honor and humility. And we're about to start a series on the Holy Spirit on Tuesday night and Charles Neiman, our grand pastor, your great grand pastor. We just kid about that. I know that's not biblical. Uh, just started a series on the Holy Spirit and come in here this morning. And uh, at first I was concerned. I was like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm going to teach next week because Annie's going to teach it all here. But she didn't. But but she, this is right there and actually went into a depth that I hadn't even thought about on this. But the reason I'm saying all that to you this morning is that you would know that this message, God's speaking to us about this whole thing right now. He is speaking to us as a church about humility and honor and and through those things to receive the treasures in people and grow. And it's just really important. So I just wanted you to know this is God is speaking this to us right now. So I hope you will make a big deal in your life about the things you're hearing and go back through those scriptures and pray over them and bring them in. Because when he does this, it's important. I guess he does it a lot. But anyway, it's it's important. So that's it. So thank you, Father, for this word today, Lord. We receive it not just as a word from a person, but as your word. And we thank you for it. We choose to carry it. We choose to let it change us. And we choose to carry it out into our community and into our world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. So let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed and go out there and be the church, right?
Okay, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.